Hi, this is Phil Kerner, the Toll and Die Guy, with another special edition of uh, Toll Room Tuesday. Um, you know, over the years, I've had an opportunity to meet a lot of folks online, and this is a very special interview that I did with a fellow named John Shirk. And John is a Renaissance man, uh, I would call him that. He is a um, owner of a place called Indicare um, Gauge Repair down in Dayton, Ohio. But John went through his apprenticeship in the early 60s, and he's got a really great story to tell. And for those of you who are wondering what the secret is to uh, educating people, it's always about the local manufacturers, right? If you want kids interested, when John and I went through the trade, uh, we had great apprenticeships, but his boss took it to the next level, and you'll find that out. So I hope you enjoy John's story. And uh, watch what he talks about, how he got into the trade, and again, uh, what his boss did to make sure uh, kids in Dayton, Ohio, were being educated in manufacturing. I hope you enjoy this. We're in the uh, a fog warning now. I'm going to call this section the fog warning. But okay. your your story, uh, the few times we've spoken, it's just been great. And uh, you've got a beautiful story to tell about your story in tool and die making and where you ended up. But uh, when did you start in the trade? And, and uh, tell me a little bit about that story about uh, the day you had to go do something on top of a, a building. In, in da- is it Dayton? But you had to, they made you do that? Yeah. Yes, it was at Dayton, Ohio. And, and I'd gotten a summer job with, uh, uh, well, actually, I hadn't gotten the job. My, my, my dad got me the job with a neighbor for a company called Wainer Roofing and Tinning. They're no longer in business, any. Uh, but uh, the first the the first jobs that we did were putting up uh, copper spouting and uh, on expensive homes, and we would solder it together and all that good stuff. But then uh, the one the one day, George, the guy I was working for, he said, uh, "We're going to downtown Dayton." I said, "Oh, what are we going to do today?" And he said, "Oh, he says this is going to be fun." And uh, we we got down there, and we went to right at the corner of 3rd and Main Street. There was a large building called the Gem City Building. Is that, still, the there? Is that still there? No, it's no longer there. Okay. But the Gem City Building had a, uh, a uh, large clock at the top of it that was like a four-sided clock. And... Uh, in fact, that clock now is in the Dayton Historical Society. Uh, after they tore the building down, they did save the clock. But uh, our job that morning was to ride the freight elevator up to the top, which was about, I want to say it was 11 or 12 stories up in the air, and get out on the roof and then put up ladders on the side of this clock and put uh, what they called pigeon wire around this clock <laughs> and uh <laughs> and, and john just give us a year and how old were, how old were you i was 17 or 18 years old and this was 1964 wow and uh so we we went up there and uh we put the ladder up and i got about four steps up on the ladder and i said george i can't do this and uh, he said, "What do you mean you can't do this?" I says, "I'm I'm not gonna 
I'm not going to make a living doing this because <laughs> me and heights don't agree. <laughs> Even at that so, age. Yep. So at that point, I just basically told him that I quit. So I got back on the freight elevator. Well, the uh, my mind was running right then and I'm thinking as I'm going down the freight elevator when I get home tonight my dad is going to kick my butt because <laughs> I quit the job that he that he got for me absolutely well when I got when I got to the to the uh, lobby I was walking out and like all of the old style buildings you don't see them anymore but every every building had a little cigar shop mm-hmm and they sold cigarettes, cigars, newspapers, uh, candy and such, you know, different sundries. And, and uh, so I thought, well, I'm going to get a newspaper and see if I can find another job. And uh, I saw an ad for a machinist trainee at a company at that time that was called Dayton Perforators Corporation. And it was about five or six miles away. And, uh, so I went, went out on the corner, caught the bus and went over to an area of town that I wasn't even familiar with and, uh, walked into this Dayton perforators and, and filled out an application and they hired me on the spot. (laughs) Now, did you end Uh, up, did you end up going through an apprenticeship there? Yes, I went through an apprenticeship. the, The first apprenticeship I went through was a machinist apprenticeship and it was basically learning just how to run all the different machines in the in the shop and uh the owner the owner of the company who was he was he he could see into the future like nobody's business i mean this guy he was he was sharp and he he started a school that he called the name of the school was profitool academy wow and what this school did was basically, instead of going to like a college or something like that, you would go in the evening to classes at, uh, they called it the Little Red Schoolhouse. And it was a, it was a little, little building that he'd bought, and he hired different math teachers from the local high school and uh, things like that, and that's where we learned all of our math and all that. Uh, so you guys weren't doing machining there. You were learning uh, uh, math and, and geometry and, and skills like that. Right. We were learning. We were learning print reading. Uh, I guess I took basic blueprint reading. Now, did you have to work at his shop to go to that school, or did he take anybody in? He at the beginning it was just for Dayton Perforators employees, and then. It got so popular in the Dayton area, we had apprentices and we had toolmakers, uh, journeyman toolmakers that actually came in and taught classes. And how long did that uh, go for? How, how many years did that run? It went until, I want to say, in almost the 80s. Wow. Yeah. Uh, eventually, it was in, a, in, a, in about a 35,000-square-foot uh, building, which was right up the street from the new building that Dayton Perforators moved to, and uh, you could actually work at Dayton Perforator, Dayton Perforators, and walk to school. 
I mean, it was like a... So what an amazing setup. Now, is this the same guy you told me the story who used to paint his buildings? Is that the same guy? Same guy. Tell that story. That same story. Guy. I, I, tell that story. You were out digging a ditch or cleaning out something. Well, I w- Dayton, Dayton Perforators became Dayton Progress Corporation. Uh, and to show you how crazy this the president of this company was and how... Uh, how cool he was he held a contest and he, at that time we had like 300 employees something like that and the the he had two contests at the same time that he ran one was name new name for Dayton Progress and new logo for Dayton Progress and whoever won got an extra week's vacation that year <laughs> that's, that's a nice deal and 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 he kept the name, whatever name they kept, and the logo, and that logo stayed the same until they were sold. I mean, uh, but but his name was Bob Gargrave, and he was a great he was a great guy. Was he an and, older Was he an older guy when you knew him, like our age now, or <laughs> how old was he no, back then? He 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 was when I was in my teens. He was probably in his thirties. Wow, in his thirties, and. Uh, Smart guy. He he inherited the business from his father. His father had started the company, but he had the idea when he got out of college, like a three minute walk from the from the shop to the school. Your thing was marketing, and he had learned how important it was to standardize things to make things standard. So at that time. We were making punches every size imaginable, and he he basically said, "Well, we should be making punches an eighth inch diameter, a quarter inch diameter, three eighths, mm-hmm. half inch, you know." And so he came out with a standard standardized catalog, and from there it just took off. But getting back to the, the story, uh, being the pr- apprentice, this was when I was I was out of my my machinist apprenticeship and I was in my tool making apprentice mm-hmm. apprenticeship but I was working night shift and uh, at that time we were building an, a, an extension onto the building well when they when they started digging the footers on this building they found a underground stream and uh, they wanted to get the footers poured well they they uh, were filling up with water quicker than what they could pour concrete. So they bought a big trash pump and set it out there. And it was my job during the evening. And I don't even know whether the kid on the the apprentice on day shift whether he had to do it during the day shift or not. <laughs> it was it was my job to go out and fire that pump up and pump that thing dry. <laughs> and of course, just being a footer, it was all uneven. So. The, uh, the suction end of the pump, you had to maneuver it to different locations. And I'm down in this trench, and I'm maneuvering this thing around. I saw a shadow. And, uh, I mean, it was pitch black. And I looked up there, and here it was Bob Gargrave. It was the president of our company. And uh, he uh, he said, what are you doing down in there? And I, I told him, I said, well, I said, my boss told me I'm supposed to Green, it's out. He said, "Well, you're doing a fine job, young man." <laughs> and so, 
I come up out of the hole and I start, I'm, I'm, we're walking back and I'm walking back with him. And I said, you know, I said, I said, I agree with a lot of stuff that you've done here, but I said, something that doesn't make a bit of sense to me is how much money you're wasting on these buildings. And he said, what do you, what do you mean wasting money? I said, well, I said, every, every building that you've built on this street since I've been here, I said, you, you have the painters come in and they paint this building. And after they paint the building, you say, no, I don't like that color. So you have them repainted again and you change, you pick out a different color. And then after you see the second color, you say, well, I like the first color better. And you, they go right back to it. And he said, he looked me right square in the aisle. I'll never forget this. And he says, he says, I want, he says, I want that first color on the building the whole time. And I said, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? He says, I also want three good coats of paint. <laughs> and he said, if, if, if I tell them to give me three coats of paint, they're going to cover it good on the first coat. And he says, and the second coat and the third coat, he says, who knows what they're going to put on there. But they're going to charge me for three full coats. <laughs> yeah, that is a, a brilliant story. So quickly, just to move along, you ended up in the gauge repair business. We'll talk about that in a minute. So you go through this apprenticeship, and uh, now you've got this very successful uh, gauge repair business. How did you go from tool making to gauge repair? Well, my boss, my first boss in when I was going through my tool making apprenticeship, his name was Eddie Vogel, and Eddie Vogel was well known around the city of Dayton because his dad was a uh, high-quality jeweler and watchmaker. And uh, when I say watchmaker, he wasn't a watch repairman; he was a watchmaker. Mm-hmm. He made watches, <laughs> and uh, Eddie Vogel learned the trade from his dad. And when he got in the tool and die business, uh. He saw all these dial indicators and things, and he said, well, this is nothing but a rough version of a uh, clock or a watch. So he started repairing indicators. And in the process, I i don't know whether I became his 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 pet boy or what, or what but he invited me over to his house. He lived in, in a neighborhood near where I lived, and... He showed me initially how to take apart an indicator, put it together, and uh, then after he showed me a couple of them, he said, okay, you're on your own. And from there on out, I had to teach myself, and if I ran into a problem, I would come in that Monday and I'd say, Eddie, I, I got this one indicator. I just can't figure out how to get it apart or how to how to adjust the, the uh, hairspring or something like that. And... He'd show me what to do on it, and that's basically how I learned. So you start uh, you started your own business in 1986. I started in '86 while I was still a uh, toolmaker at Dayton Progress. In what? other words, I worked I worked I worked in the tool room at Dayton Progress and traveled. Uh, well, basically, uh, we took care of machinery that was uh, was was in all corners of the world, you know, Japan, Korea, uh, Portugal, places like that. And 
during that time, uh, I would work in the evening on indicators, but then during the day daytime, I would I would work in the shop. So fast forward, it's 2018. You've been doing this 32 years. How's business? Cover that. <laughs> there's there's not, you know, I think I think that the tool and die industry has the same problem that I that I have. Absolutely. But, but it's but it's good for but for me it's good. I'll bet. Because because I don't have that much competition. Well people don't want to send their indicators back to China to get repaired. Exactly. 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 So you're busy. So tell us a little bit about uh, your business. What's the name of it and how do people get a hold of you? Well, the name of my business is Indicare Gauge Repair and we have a website yeah, the website is www.indicaregage.com, and the gauge is spelled G-A-G-E. Mm-hmm. And the reason I spelled it G-A-G-E is because I never was very good at spelling, and <laughs> I never could remember whether it was G-U-A-G-E or G-A-U-G-E. And I don't think anybody still knows. The, the, place, <laughs> I, the place I apprenticed at was Anson Tools and Gauges, they were founded in 1945, and they went with the G-A-G-E-S. So not yeah. sure if there's a correct or incorrect spelling of that. And uh, I'll make sure I share your information. I can tell everybody okay. that I've sent stuff to John. It comes back uh, flawless, I, a master. And uh, I really oh. appreciate you taking the time to spend a few wanted, minutes with me tonight. Okay. I wanted to tell you also, I, uh, I heard you mention that you served your apprenticeship at Anton. Anson's. Anson Tools and Gauges. Is it A-N-T-O-N? No, A-N-S-O-N. Oh, Anson. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, because I I had purchased tools in the past from a company called Anton Gauge. A-N-T-O-N. Okay, I, I've seen that name online. Mm-hmm. Super, super gauges. They were really good gauge people. Mm-hmm. I've, seen, I've seen labels in the shop. I know they were around for a long time. Yeah. Well, John, thanks for taking a minute out of your uh, night tonight after a full day of work to just share your story, and uh, very much appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Thanks for calling. All right. So uh, we'll see right. you on the next uh, call, and uh, look forward to uh, a lot of people out there hearing your story. It's a great one. Thanks, John. Now, is is your uh, – uh, I'm trying to think what you call it, the fog? <laughs> oh, you're going to be a feature of the fog. Yeah, you're going to be my first fog warning. Now, is that on? Is that on on Facebook every week? Or well, I I, I record it and then I put it on YouTube and then I share it on Facebook. Oh, okay. So you will okay, be my cool. you will be my featured fine old guy, fog. <laughs> this Tuesday, I think that's December fourth. I think I'm too old to be featured in anything. Well, you know what? You'll never be able to say that again. (laughs) All right. Thanks, John. Hey, it was nice talking with you. Always great talking to you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. So there you go. That's a great interview with a guy who has um, been through the trade and still exists in the trade because of the things he learned during his apprenticeship. If you like uh, stuff like this, this is the place to be, right? The, the Tool and Die Guy, we, we love the stories of manufacturing. So if you've got one, please contact me. Just uh, go to the toolanddieguy.com, click on Contact, and say, Hey, I've got a great story. I'll take that story, and we'll turn it into a nice uh, audio, maybe a video. 
and uh, make sure everybody hears your amazing story in manufacturing. And that's why we're here. Besides teaching, uh, we're here to make sure we hear the stories of the great folks who were uh, made a living from this trade that we all love. I'm Phil Kerner, the Tool and Die Guy, and we'll see you and hear from you the next time.